Well, good morning, everybody. It's very good to be here. My name, uh, my name is Alex Barrett, in case you forgot. Um, or if you're new, you're like, who's this guy? Um, I'm the lead pastor here at Ridgeview. And if you don't know, I and our family got COVID about two weeks ago. And so we've been out of commission. And as I was driving to church this morning, I thought there is no place in the world I'd rather be than here. And so... Um, I said I wasn't going to cry, but we all know that that's not going to happen. I made it, what, 10 seconds? So that's pretty good. Um, but uh, it really is just uh, so good to be here. Um, if you've ever been sick, which I think we all have, uh, you wonder in seasons, like, is it all, it's going to be like this forever? Um, and you can run like those kinds of scenarios. And uh, since we started Ridgeview, um, I've never missed more than one week. And so I was last here, I think, three weeks ago. And so uh, for us, it was just one of those things of, uh, we were on a, kind of on the other end of the community, and I, I just wanted to thank uh, so many of you for all your prayers and the way that you uh, reached out uh, to our family. Um, thank you. I was at home with my, my family, and I said, you know, sometimes on our end, we don't get to experience the church community because we're, we're leading it. And then there's times when you're not leading it and you are experiencing the church. And that, that's, um, it's kind of a weird thing. It was like I was so proud in the middle of the sickness because I was like, wow, like we are truly loved. <laughs> and uh, I think I just snorted. But um, <laughs> that might be a, a symptom that I didn't know I was going to have after, but... Uh, there you go. I'm back, just in case you didn't know. Um, but just, it, it's, it's one of those things that sometimes you need to take a step back. And I think that's what God uh, allowed us to do. And um, we're, we're just overwhelmed. And I, I wanted to thank Cameron. Uh, thank you for stepping in and stepping up. And and uh, the rest of the staff and the leaders and, and everybody, um, I'm just very thankful. And uh, we're, we're on the mend. Um, it basically went through our, our whole family, um, except our daughter, who we think already had it. Um, but anyway, that's just a little bit of our medical history background. Um, never quite started a service like this, but I, I wanted to make sure I didn't get too far without uh, just thanking uh, you all and, and ultimately thanking God just for his, his provision. And uh, there's, there's more people that are sick. And uh, through this experience myself, I know that without the church community, and like in our case, we don't have family that's close on either side. Without the church community, we, we would have been alone. And because of the church, people are not. And you can't ever forget that, the power of what God does in a community. And so uh, just thank you. And I wanted to, to say that. I'm going to move this up just a little bit. Um, but we're continuing. Uh, hope is alive. You can see this theme is uh, kind of through everything we're doing. It's our family Christmas service on the 19th. It's what we're talking leading up to that. And I think uh, part of what is so important is to remember uh, that in the world that we're facing right now, and in our country, and in our community, and in our homes, uh, we need hope desperately. And we can get to a point where we begin to believe lies that, that hope is dead, or we can believe that it's gone, or it's far off, or we'll never know it quite like we used to. But because of what we're celebrating here, 
In this time, the fact that Jesus came to earth, he dwelt with us, he came here. Hope can never be dead. Hope can never be lost. There may be seasons like we've all faced where we struggle and it's hard, but because of the living God who sent his son Jesus, we can always have hope. And that's what we're doing in this series. We're taking a look at how hope is like the, the, the central theme uh, that's intertwined in the Christmas story. Now, uh, for all of us, especially in our country, and if you grew up going to church especially, you know the Christmas story and you know the characters, but sometimes even as we're singing Christmas songs, you ever get to the point where you're like, man, Christmas songs just keep going. You ever feel like that? And you can just kind of get into the thing of like the motions of things, and you can forget the actual beautiful truth of what this season represents. Christmas is usually the busiest time. I don't know if it is for you, it is for our family. We usually end up at the end of the year like it's exhausting and it's good things, but, but in the middle of all the running, there, there's sometimes you, you forget. And so what we're, we're wanting to do is, is, as a church, we don't wanna forget why we're here and what we can celebrate. But as we talk about hope, uh, it can feel like a Christmas card. Here's a, here's a Christmas card. Love, peace, joy, Noel, hope. And you get that, and, and it's like, yes, that, that's what this season's all about. But have you ever gotten a card, and then you maybe put them up, and then like that sentiment, it fades, and you see it, and you're just kind of like, God, ah, it just feels a little plastic. It feels a little fake. Or it doesn't really represent what's going on in my life, because I don't feel those things, or I don't realize like this reality right now, my life is far from this picture. And I think for, for many of us and so many in our community, Christmas is a season where like there's the, this certain sentiment, but it's not realized. There's like a disconnect, like it's not real. And so our job is, as Christians and as Christ followers is for us first to reconnect with God on a continual basis every day and be reminded that these things are, are real. These are actually themes of Advent, the coming of Christ and that he's going to come again. These are things that we have to continue to renew in our minds and in our hearts. And as we do that, we can extend that to, to others. But in the middle of what we're facing right now in our culture and in our country and really throughout the world is, is fear. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. How do you have hope when you are fearful? Now, I don't know about you, but I struggle with fear. Sometimes when we talk about fear, it feels like it could be maybe more of uh, women struggle with fear and men never do. Um, I think we actually all struggle with fear. It's just we, we battle it differently. So what I want to do uh, just as a way of us uh, being real, uh, at least with God, is why don't you take a moment right now and just jot down what are some things that you are fearful of right now in your life? Like literally do it just right now. Take like 20 seconds, how do you battle fear? And just think about that. As people are jotting that, anyone want to share what one of theirs is? Maybe your fear is being called on. Being alone, alone. yep. What else? Yeah. 
Okay, so health, personal health, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, disconnection in, in relationships. Yeah. Safety for loved ones. Yeah. Yeah, if you think about it, how, you know, how many times have you been fearful recently in your life of the unknown? Just the unknown. How many of you have been fearful of sickness? How many of you have been fearful about your kids and their choices? How many of you have been fearful of your future? Maybe some relationships. How many of you have been fearful about where our culture is heading? What about your, your income or your job situation? Like if you look at what things are happening in our lives as just individuals and as families and as a church community and the greater community, our country, the world, there is so much that's unsettled, so much. And the more things are unsettled, usually the more fear rises. And what happens as fear gets bigger, it chokes out hope because you get to a point where fear is all you see. And it's kind of like sickness. You feel like it's going to be like that forever. And so what fear does is it, it chokes out hope. But again, because hope is not based on our circumstances, hope is based on the living God who sent Christ. It can never be choked out because God is alive. And because God's alive, hope is alive. The reason I want you to bring up your fear is because there just comes to the point where we have to face it. And as you face it, you realize that there's a lot more that's going on than just that. So what I hope to do today is we're going to look at the vantage point of the Christmas story from the role of the shepherds. I don't know if you guys ever did like nativities when you were younger. And and when I grew up, if you were a shepherd, you would take a towel that you'd dry your dishes with and you tie it around your head and you were a shepherd. I was a shepherd many times. Just give me a dish towel and call it a day. I'm good. So we have these, these ideas of shepherds, and we see the plays, and we know like the role that they kind of play, but it's very interesting from the vantage point of fear of how God used uh, the shepherds. And so what I want to do is I want to dig into the Christmas story, the shepherds' involvement, and how hope is alive in the middle of fear, okay? So let's dig in. We're going to continue in Luke uh, chapter 2. Uh, Cameron last week talked about when things don't make sense and Mary and Joseph, and all that God did in the middle of that. And so here's some lessons from the shepherds. We're going to dig in. But the first lesson is this. Fear can hit us when we least expect it. Most of the time, that's exactly how fear is. We don't see it coming, and then it's here, and then it's crippling, and it paralyzes us. And it could be related to the things that we've talked about, the unknown, health, relationships. But fear is also related to Am I enough? Do I measure up? Do I have competence? Can I get everything done? Will I be successful even in those very things? Most of the time we don't talk about it, but we're usually coming in with all sorts of turmoil within us. And it hits us when we least expect it. Uh, Luke 2, starting in verse 8, and this is the story, it's shifting, and now we're focusing on the, the shepherds. And it says, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Anytime the scriptures use the word great, 
They're magnifying what was happening. It wasn't just fear. It was overwhelming, crippling fear. Now, most of the time, I kind of think as the shepherds, like, how would you be in fear when you see the angels and the sky and the glory of God come? Well, on the side of their history, they had no idea what was happening. Uh, Here's like an artist's depiction of what that would look like. And I don't know about you, but there's a little bit like this looks like the end of the world. You're not, they're not thinking like, oh, I think this might be the Christmas story and we are part of it. (laughs) There's going to be kids wearing towels on their heads. No, they saw the the clouds depart, the light shine in a way that they've never seen before and they thought their life was over. And a shepherd's life was such that no one would know it except that there would be sheep just wandering all of the villages without shepherds because they were done. They were dead. They were taken up. So when the scriptures say they were filled with great fear, notice they were just living their normal life, doing their routine. And the clouds departed. The light came and a messenger appeared before them. Now, in our case, as we know what happened, the fear was no basis for, because they were going to get to hear the greatest news ever given. But they didn't know that. All they had was the unknown. All they had was their current reality. All they had was what they could see. And it was bleak. It was devastating. It was overwhelming. But ultimately, it would be good. Many times, fear comes, and it's not good. In fact, the enemy, if you're a follower of Christ, we have an enemy. His name is Satan, the devil. And he has a target on you if you are a Christian. And one of the prime ways he throws his weapons at you is through fear. He wants you to run all the scenarios of your life that you have no idea about, you can't control. And he wants you to magnify those so the fear just keeps growing and growing in your mind and in your heart. And that strategy has been used since the beginning of time. So if you battle fear, just like the shepherds who were filled with the great fear. It is completely normal, but it's something that you can't just let settle in. Fear hits us when we least expect it. But for hope to grow, you have to recognize what it is. You have to confess it to God, and then you ask him for help. As you're filled with great fear, you're normal. We all have them. Whatever it's connected to, it's real. But what you can do is just don't just run those scenarios by yourself. Bring God into the situation. God, I am so fearful for my kids right now. And I'm overwhelmed with crippling. I don't know what's going to happen. I can't see their future. I don't know what their life is going to be like. And I'm so filled with fear. And God, I just surrender that fear to you in the name of Jesus. And I ask that you help me. You bring God into the fear that you face, and he will help you because it hits you when you least expect it. But as you bring God in, you can prevent yourself from being derailed, and you can continue on the path forward, and hope will grow. So that's the first thing. Fear hits us when we least expect it, and we all battle it, all of us. The second lesson, and we're going to continue the story, is when life seems darkest, uh, God's hope is at its brightest. That could be a Christmas card as well, right? You're like, yeah, that's great. Put it up, kind of cliche. 
But it's actually very true. And you see this in the story. So they were filled with great fear. And then notice verse 10. And the angel said to them, so if I'm the shepherds, I'm like, my life's over. Armageddon's come. We're done. And then what would not make me feel better is an angel speaking to me. (laughs) Right? You're like, yeah, it's confirmed. As soon as that thing started talking, we're done. But notice what the angel says. And the angel said to them, what? Fear not. I love that. They were filled with great fear, great meaning it was real, it was overwhelming, it's all that they were experiencing in that moment. And the promise of God, fear not. Basically, don't do that, don't give in to that, don't be crippled by that, don't be paralyzed by that, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now again, think of the shepherds. Um, so far, I don't get the great news of great joy. We're all freaked out. I still think we're all possibly going to be over our life. But the, the angel's saying, listen, all you can see is this, the unknown. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to fill the unknown of fear that you're facing, and I'm going to actually give you the promises of God. I'm going to give you what will happen. And then the angel goes on, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then verse 12, it continues. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts. So now stakes are raised, like one angel talking, freaking out, overwhelming for the shepherds. And they're like, listen, don't be afraid because in about 10 seconds, we're going to bring a thousand more. It's going to be awesome. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth. What does that word say? What does it say? And on earth, peace among those with whom he is well pleased. Fascinating. This was the darkest moment for the shepherds. Their life is literally flashing before them. But what's interesting about the life of a shepherd, it was more than just this instance that they were filled with fear. If you don't know much about a shepherd's life, which, you know, in our day and age, it's like we don't really see shepherds much. But a shepherd's life was not the most noblest of lives. It was not the career that, that you chose. You know those certain careers that you don't choose but you fall into? That's like the life of a shepherd. You didn't want it. Your family didn't want it. Nobody wanted it. But some had to do it. It was needed. And so the angel said to them, fear not. You see this? And the angel said to them, fear not. And here the angel is speaking more than just to that instance of the light and the unknown. The angel's actually speaking to this group specifically. As shepherds, your whole life you've faced fear. As shepherds, all you've known is fear, but fear not. Here's some facts about shepherds. Shepherds actually had much to fear. Uh, First, they were outcasts uh, from society. Again, they were the bottom rung. Nobody wanted to be them. Uh, Second, uh, they were rejected from the religious order. Shepherd's life was the dirtiest of like all professions. And in this time in 
this age and this stage of history, uh, for you to be a part of like the religious order, you needed to be clean. The focus was on clean and sacrifice, and they represented the opposite. It was They were actually a part of giving the lambs that were used for the sacrifice. And so these people dealt with, with blood and dirt and gross situations every day of their life. They had no place to stay. They were just lying in, in fields. And so think about their life, the fact that not only socially were they rejected, but even from the religious order, they're told that there's no way that they can really relate to God because they were dirty. And I think what's interesting about fear is oftentimes that's also symbolic of how we can feel related to God. We, we feel dirty. Like we can't approach him because of our past. We can't approach him because of what we've done, our upbringing, who we are. And this was the shepherd's life. And then the last, they were the lowest rung on the social ladder. Here's a picture of a shepherd. And you see what they're wearing and you see the job that they have. And, and that's not necessarily the type of people that in that society, they're like, yeah, come, you're welcome here. No, they, they actually weren't. And so when the angel is telling them to fear not, they're saying, listen, your whole life you've been told you don't belong. Your whole life you've been told you have nothing to bring. Your whole life you've been told that you don't fit within our culture. You've been told that you don't matter. You've been told that you can't really make it. All they were being told are these lies about who they were. But they were experiencing it. And so the angel is saying, this is not your reality. Fear not. And then notice the next part of the scripture, what it says, and this will be a sign for you. Now, you can just read this and it'd be very interesting. But who is the you here? The shepherds. And then you will find, who's the you here? The shepherds. This announcement was not given to the religious order that were preventing them from coming to God. And this is the beauty of the Christmas story in Christianity. It is completely upside down. It's so easy to focus on who looks good, who sounds good, who's popular, who's valued in society. And in the Christmas story, you see that everything is valued in culture is flipped upside down in the kingdom of God. The Savior of the world had no place to go, and he's in a feeding trough. The very people who were being told that the baby was going to be born, the Messiah had come, were shepherds, people that had no place in society. So for them, when the angel said, fear not, it was connected to this. The sign will come to you, and you will find. What a beautiful picture of Christianity. No matter what we've done, no matter who we are, what's been told to us, what people have said, our experiences, God comes and through Jesus Christ and the forgiveness he gives us and the grace that's found in him and him alone, we can have hope because he still uses us. As he uses the shepherds, he wants to use us. And then that the passage uh, of this section ends with this glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. So from the darkest experiences that they've known, from their life and history, to this fearful experience of like the end of the world from their perspective, the opposite was promised to them. No, this is the glory of God. This will change your life and peace will come. And you'll experience something that you have never experienced before.
I've been thinking a lot about just the situation of our country and our culture and our state. And things can look very bleak, right? Things can just look so bleak. Even with COVID and sickness, it's like right when you think we're getting a handle on it, there's like a new variant. Just when you think it's going to be done, it's not. And that's kind of like what life's felt like the last two years. Everything is just, you have a timeline of what you think, and it doesn't exist. But it reminds me of what's happening. Like as the darkest moments become more dark, and as things become bleak, the promise of the Christmas story and the lessons from the shepherds is this. It's in those darkest times, God is going to work. And that is the truth. Because as you read the scriptures, the shepherds had no reason for them to have hope. And you can look in your life and what's going on around you, and you can be in the same boat. But it's in those darkest times that hope shines, and it shines through Christ, not our circumstances. And what Christ wants to do is he wants to shine through us. And just like the shepherds, the light shines the brightest, the darker it is. Now, none of us want the dark times, right? We don't want that. You're like, God, just make it as bright as possible so I could barely see the light. But that's not how it works because it's oftentimes hope becomes the most real when we need it. And light becomes the real when there's the darkness. And that's what God does. That brings to the last point, the next section. God's promises take the sting from fear and bring hope uh, to others. So the story goes on. I want to read it. It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Verse 17 goes on. It says, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherd told them. Again, their hope was not found in the light. Their hope was actually not even found in the angel. Their hope was found in what they were told, the promises of God. This is what God will do. So notice what the story says. If you can imagine, all of this happens, the angels leave. The clouds kind of close again. Could you imagine being like, well, well, There's three other responses I think could have happened, and I think we find this within ourselves. As we face fear, God tells us to move forward. God tells us to trust in him, but usually we can have different responses. Notice they didn't say, well, that was really neat. Can you check the fire? Because it's going to be a long night. They didn't delay. But sometimes when fear comes and God tells us to do something, we can delay. We just get focused on something else. They didn't do that. Second, they didn't say, hey, let, let's, let's count the sheep before we go to bed. It's been kind of crazy. There's a bright light. Do we have everything accounted for? We, that didn't happen. They didn't lose focus. So we can either delay, and God tells us promises in the middle of fear. We can either lose focus. And notice that they didn't project that they know better than God. They could have said, actually, angel and multitude of angels, could you tell God that like, we're shepherds and we're not used in that way? Does he know, like, we don't have a place in society. People don't really want us to tell them anything. People actually really prefer if we stay out in the fields. Could you tell God that? 
Could you imagine how insane that is? But isn't that what happens for us when we face fear? We either delay or we lose focus. Or we tell God, no, God, that's not how it works with me. I, I, I don't quite think you know the situation. But the opposite is, is so beautiful. No, that they, they said, okay, what are we waiting for? Let's go. And the scriptures say they went with haste. That is uh, quickly and to be urged on. There's like a sense of which they all looked at each other and were like, well, that was interesting. What do we do? And I imagine just in the crew, the shepherds, what are we waiting for? And they just start. And one goes, and the next is like, well, I'm, I'm going. And, and boom, they're gone. They went with, with haste, quickly. They were urged on. And here's what was promised them. And they made it, and they saw the fulfilled promise. So what faith is, you want to really know, related to the story, related to hope, is in the middle of fear, God tells you something. Like, he will come through for you. He will provide. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. Faith is, I believe that before I know it's true. The shepherds had no idea that baby Jesus would be in that manger. They had no idea. Why did they go? Because they were told. They were promised. There was a messenger that said, in this day, the city of David will be the Messiah who will be born. And as soon as they went, and with faith, not knowing what would happen, God came through. And that's what God wants to do for us today. Things can look so bleak, but God's promises take the sting from fear. I want to encourage you, if you battle fear, the more you magnify and focus on fear, what happens when you magnify something? It gets bigger. But when you magnify faith, and when you magnify the promises of God, truth gets bigger. In the middle of fear, you need truth. You don't need more fear. But fear just grows if that's what we focus on. So what happened in this instance is God told the shepherds, they told each other, what are we waiting for? And then they had to prepare for a journey. They didn't have time to just think of all the fearful things that they were facing or wondering. They went, they acted, they took initiative, they went with haste. And the fear in their lives shrunk because the promises of God were growing. They went exactly to where they were told to go. And God came through so that's the first part. God's promises take the sting from fear. If you want fear to shrink, focus on truth. If you want fear to grow, focus on fear. In a culture, nobody talks about this. In fact, headlines and news and social media, what they want to do is grow and magnify fear because it gets our attention. Fear always gets our attention. Where's the last time you saw a headline? In the unknown of the COVID variant, the good news is we can still trust God. No, it's, it's terrible. Like, no one knows anything about anything. And you're like, I don't know it either. And you click. You focus on fear, it grows. You focus on God's promises, hope grows. 
But then the second part is very important in this last instance. The promises took the sting out of fear. The reality changed. They had new purpose. God told them. He commanded them. He gave them a new reality. But then notice what happened. The last little scripture, verse 20, it says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So they went and they began to tell the account. And you could imagine them coming into the scene like, hey guys, like we're shepherds, but what's the beauty of this is where are they going to a stable? So think about that. Isn't that so fascinating? You could think the shepherds are like, what are we going to say? We're like total outcasts. And then they're like, where's the, oh yeah, there's, there's no inn. We're supposed to go, uh, they go to a stable. And the shepherds are like, this is our territory. We're welcome here. And even that is like beautiful, like of the symbolism of that. It was their, their world. And they begin to tell the account of all that they had known. And the scriptures say that all who heard it wondered and they marveled and they were amazed. So that's the beauty of what God does with truth and his promises. As his truth grows and his promises grow and you have experience of it coming through, your fear shrinks. And as your fear shrinks, your hope grows. And as your hope grows, you have an opportunity to share it with others. And that's what the shepherds did. They just gave the account of what had just happened. And people marveled. They were amazed. They were overwhelmed. And it's still the greatest news that we can have. And all they did was shared what they had heard and what they had seen. And this Christmas, the shepherds set the example for us. May God make us a people who don't focus on fear and therefore grow, but focus on his promises and truth so that hope grows. And as hope grows, we share it with others. Do you know how many people in your life right now are longing for hope? They've been waiting for it, for some their whole life. And they may not know Jesus. They may have heard of him. They may know vaguely the Christmas story, but they're looking at their lives and our world, and it's unraveling. And they probably place their hope in many things, maybe their job, maybe their health, maybe their income, and all the things that we're fearful of, everyone else is fearful of. And your foundation of life is filled with cracks. And people's hope's unraveling. And we now have one of the greatest opportunities that we've been given. In the darkness, hope shines. We have an opportunity to share that hope with others. That's my prayer for our church. In the middle of the bleak times that we find ourselves, God will continue to show us who he is. And as his promises grow and the truth grows and we apply it to our life and we experience that he has come through, we will be filled with hope that we can share. That's what our world needs. That's what we need. And God has placed us here and now for such a time as this, just like the shepherds. What an example that they have set for us. In closing, fear says God can't use you. You ever thought that? That's what the shepherds thought, and I think that's what we can feel. God says something different. Fear says God can't use you, but God says... Hope in me, and I will show you things you never thought possible. Now, oftentimes, in our like spirituality world, it's like, just dream and believe, and it will come true. Actually, 
What God says about things not possible is oftentimes we don't think anything will work out, but he will work it out. And as he wraps up history, it will be all worked out. It may not be what we think or what we know, but Jeremiah 33.3, call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. What's fascinating about this, if you think of fear, uh, fear as it grows, it mutes everything else. And oftentimes, God's promises become hidden. But when you call to God and you ask him and you confess your fear and you bring it out into the light, all of a sudden, the things that you couldn't see, you begin to see. Truth, that's what truth is. Psalm 42.5, why are you, you cast down on my soul and why are you in turmoil within me? What are those next three words? Hope in God. It's okay if you feel down. It's okay if you experience discouragement. But those three words are the difference between moving forward in hope and not. Our culture says hope in yourself. Hope in your knowledge. Hope in your family. Hope in your country. Hope in your success. And every time we do it, we have no hope. Because the scriptures say, hope in God. And as you hope in God, you will have hope. So that's my prayer. In the middle of the darkness, that God will raise us up as people and as a church that shrink the fear, grow the promises, and we experience hope that we share with others. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our church and the opportunity that we have not to stick our heads in the sand and act like everything is okay, but to see the darkness, to see fear, to see the bleakness, and recognize that we are made for these times. We follow you, the God of hope. We follow you, the God of light and of life. And that is what people long for. God, in the coming weeks, will you help us cross paths with people who need hope desperately? And just like the shepherds, will we go in haste to share what we have seen and heard? This is our prayer. We need your help desperately. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.